Let's see Paul Allen's card. Welcome to Consumer Choice Radio. It is the 1st of May in the year 2020. This is one of your hosts, Yael Lasoski, broadcasting to you from the hills and the mountains of the countryside in Austria. And I'm joined, as always, on the line by my trusty colleague, by the smoothest uh, man in Canada, those golden pipes. That is David Clement. Hey, sir. How you doing? Yes, broadcasting to you live from my couch (laughs) (laughs) hey at least you're honest it's good we we, you know we play around with the radio stuff to make it sound all professional and nice but the thing is is we are stuck in our in our own quarters uh we probably otherwise would be in our amazing awesome studios and offices and all the swanky stuff that you never get to see because this is uh, an audio show but yeah david uh i don't know how many months we're in now how many days we're in but um regardless the tides are changing So um, those of you who might be listening for the first time, this is Consumer Choice Radio. We broadcast on the Big Talker, 106.7 FM out of Wilmington, North Carolina. And our program is broadcast weekly um, from our podcast uh, that is available on Spotify. It's an overcast, Apple, uh, anywhere you want to, you can find us, ConsumerChoiceRadio.com. The website's always up to date with everything we're talking about as well. And we've got the clips from the last interviews. And uh, David, I think our last show was uh, pretty popular. It It seemed as if a lot of people enjoyed it. Yeah, lots of great feedback. Always good to have uh, to have somebody like Jerry on the show. Uh, I know I said this the last last uh, time you and I chatted for all of our listeners, but if there is anyone that they suggest um, for a guest, make sure you email us or tweet us uh, so that we can go out and try and get those invites um, because we love bringing on uh, some of the guests that we already know or maybe some people that we don't yeah. know. Um, and talk about different topics. So feel free to make those suggestions. So let's um, let's head on over to the board here, to the production rundown, and see what we've got lined up for the show. Um, you sent in a clip, David. I've got a, a couple of others. Um, let's see where we want to yep. start here. I think we started off very, very quickly talking about TikTok. Oh, yes. Um, you, ha- yeah, you, TikTok. you had asked me something about TikTok videos. What did you ask something about Trump videos? I'm not sure. I was I was asking you if you've seen the the Trump videos where uh, people are essentially lip syncing his press conference where the reporter asks him why he calls it the Chinese virus and he goes because it's from China. China, okay. China. I got to check these out. <laughs> yeah, quite entertaining. So TikTok, obviously, this is the older age for the youngins, uh, for the Generation yes. Z, Generation Z Zoomers. They're all on TikTok. I guess uh, you must be on TikTok, David. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't really know what I'm doing. I kind of feel like my grandpa trying to figure out emails. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, how does this work? How do you, you mean you can take separate videos and merge them into one? Wow. Um, yeah, it's a strange world. Yeah, uh, no, strange no doubt. World <laughs> so one thing about TikTok is I also fairly knew, I think I, I downloaded it when I was teaching an English course in uh, the Austrian countryside again. <laughs> again, in the countryside, um, that a lot of the kids have been playing and they've been doing this and it's all about the TikTok, all about the TikTok, all about the TikTok, tick, 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 tick. And what they like to do is put together these small videos that really copy what someone else did. Um, I, yes. I think we need a TikTok expert at some point to explain this, but it's like someone will do some stunt, uh, you know, walk on their hands and then like jump backwards or something. And then everybody tries to do a version of that with the same music and I know sometimes it's great and funny. Other times, I mean, there's all kinds of, of stuff on there. The reason I bring it up is a friend of the show uh, was talking about TikTok. Um, he's not a fan. And I'm talking about uh, FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr. Yes. Hopefully a future guest. Yeah, I love yeah, that Yeah, we'll, we'll get him on the program. Uh, he's he's very good in media, actually. He, he gets around a lot more than uh, many other people who happen to be in government. And he's actually someone who is all in on all the consumer topics that we talk about. So he was on, I think it was, <laughs> Sean Spicer apparently has a TV show 
Remember him? He was the White House press guy, the first one. <laughs> Spicy. Interesting. I didn't know yeah, that. So, I thought he was just busy teaching at Harvard. <laughs> Aren't they all? No, he's uh, on this, I think it's Newsmax TV, so it's more of like a conservative station. Okay. And apparently, um, Brendan Carr was on there, and they were talking about TikTok and the connections to the yep. Chinese. So let's listen to this clip. There's really two levels of threats here. One is a general threat that applies to any social media platform you use. I use a lot of social media platforms. I believe in individual liberty, making informed decisions. With any app you use, it's pulling a lot more data than most Americans are aware of. It's not just what you upload. It can track your geolocation. It can look at your web browsing history. That's a threat that applies not just to TikTok, but to other applications. What's unique about TikTok, however, is its ties to a Beijing-based entity. And that's why there's been bipartisan concern raised. Senator Cotton, Senator Schumer wrote a letter on this expressing concerns about TikTok. Marco Rubio has done it. And the New York Times has reported that there is a national security review underway right now with respect to TikTok. Hmm. Well, that's some pretty serious so, stuff. So, I mean, obviously not my favorite senators ever. If you had to name two senators that I... Whoops, sorry. here, uh, Who are the worst, I think, he named them. But still, you know, these are official machines of power, so, right? I think I, I think you were being a little too nice. Tom Cotton is literally the worst. Um, <laughs> it's unfortunate that, like, I'm, I when it comes to the influence of the Chinese Communist Party, Tom Cotton is so bad that it bothers me that we're on the same side. Because mm-hmm. I feel like he's the type of guy who's ready to just go to war with whoever sneezes. In the United States' direction. Well, whoever sneezes uh, but, in general and get those those COVID uh, particles all over you, those Carol Baskin <laughs> particles. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but um, even a broken clock is right twice a day. And uh, I think generally the skepticism towards um, the Chinese Communist Party is, 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 well, is, is well-founded. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, where do you think this is going to go? Do you think, do you think the government's going to try and step in as a so and, and enforce some sort of yeah regulator? Power? I think it's yeah, regulator power. Let's see Paul Allen's card. What I what I do see <laughs> is that I mean this is different to Huawei. Huawei, we've talked about that. We talked about how close they are to the Chinese, and this is essentially a company that's doing five G, and you had general acceptance in many liberal democratic countries that this is not the go-to provider for your 5g or your, any of your network stuff um you know mm-hmm. hawaii phones are quite popular amongst some consumers and specifically in different parts of europe and there are concerns yep. about that and generally governments took the approach that okay well obviously hawaii can still sell things but we're not going to you know have the the main infrastructure for our 5g or whatever be based on hawaii products or network or anything else now, when it comes to TikTok, I mean, this is like a social media app, right? And mm-hmm. that's where it's, it's kind of prickly. Of course, the argument is, well, you're giving your data to the Chinese Communist Party, to the to the Chinese or something like that. Yes, that's true, I guess. Um, and social media apps in general are absolutely the worst when it comes to giving your data away. Uh, we've even mm-hmm. heard a lot more about Zoom. I mean, I was not that I'm a Zoom skeptic you know, the video conferencing software, yeah. but, you know, there are a lot of problems. Why is it so easy to download Zoom? You, like, click one button and everything's already there and working. You don't have to click. That's a bit sketchy, but uh, there's... Th- Actually, there was some there was some reporting on that, and they looked into the code, and basically the result of that research was there were some, some suspect practices, uh, is the way they described yeah. it in terms of why it's that they're easy. just like overriding all admin privileges and stuff like that and yeah so yeah. for TikTok I'm not sure because look this is this is already popular amongst a lot of young people uh, I know specifically my sister's big on this I have cousins a lot, a lot of the um the, how do I say this without sounding creepy the online cannabis uh model community <laughs> is moving to TikTok, I heard. Okay. <laughs> I read in a press release. No. But there, there's just a, there are a lot of people that are moving to this platform. It's it's just, yeah. it's it's actually, it's built to everything that we are addicted to right now. The endless, infinite scrolling, the catchy music, 
you know, just video itself, it's almost better than Instagram if we're just talking about ways to get people hooked, not necessarily who the company well, is, right? And it's hilarious. Like, I mean, it, it is a beautifully crafted platform in terms of being able to just watch endless, hilarious feed of of people doing funny things or people doing entertain like dance routines and famous people doing all of these things. It's it's so, quite, quite cute. And if you're if you're into like um, like funny dog videos or funny cat pity, uh, cat videos. Uh, there's there's a whole like sub world of TikTok for just that. So if you're a dog person, like it it can be pretty distracting. And are you getting the recommendations now? Like, have do they know enough about you that the algorithm is saying, okay, well, obviously, David Clement likes beer pong videos and puppy videos. Is that working out, or uh, how how is that working for you? Because I don't look at it enough, I think, to have built that up. So I, I don't know if I'm fully there yet where it's going to know what my preferences are, but um, I do see a lot of puppy videos and then a lot of funny lip sync videos, um, like scenes from movies and people are reenacting them, like in their kitchen. Uh, I see a lot of that. Yeah, and the thing that's so crazy about it is unlike, I guess unlike the Instagram or Twitter and these things, you know, you have the people that you follow and that's not necessarily the central part of this feed, as far as I know. Because there, there's the For You version that just has random people. Um, I mean, I'm looking at mine now, and it has, like, uh, Randy the Plumber, who does NASCAR stuff. And there's a couple other people I know, but I don't know, man. This is, uh, it'd be interesting to see where this goes. I don't know if there's going to be any more official investigations. I think if we're going to try to combat the Chinese, If we're going to try to combat the Chinese, I don't know if it's a good idea to always use the force of law and government. Um, I think usually markets are pretty good at doing this. I don't see any competitor, though, for TikTok. I don't know. I think we just need a TikTok expert. Yeah. We need to get a Zoomer on here. <laughs> and they could tell us all yes. about it. Somebody between the ages of 18 and 22. Yeah, that'd be helpful. So, yeah, we'll get into that. If you know much more about it, uh, feel free to tag us on Twitter and uh, tell us how we're all wrong. But, um, you know, in, in the realm of social media, there was one article, uh, or not an article, a video that we... Did we play this, actually? I don't remember. Last week? Uh, this is the two doctors in California. Did we play this clip? We did not. No, we did oh, not. We didn't play this clip. Okay, I, I think I had it pulled, and I, I must not have put it up, but... Essentially, it was two doctors in California, I think in Bakersfield. They have their own, I believe, urgency clinic. There's a lot of these, like, 24-hour urgency places across the U.S. And they were just giving a press conference. They began with, hey, we've done testing here, and, you know, we believe it's X percent or something like this. And they generally just kind of came out against lockdowns and gave their explanations. And, you know, it was just a normal press conference that people would do. It was about an hour. It was uh, recorded on the local ABC station. Uh, it went out, um, and then it was on YouTube. And then all of a sudden, YouTube said it, the video was against community guidelines, and they deleted it. Yeah. And that's actually caused more questions. Now, there's multiple sides of this video. Uh, a lot of people have been saying, uh, essentially the doctors made a wrong analysis when they extrapolated this kind of data and everybody's getting all upset and angry about it and people are justifying deleting the video. Um, I will definitely link to it in the show notes. I'll see if I can find a clip here quick, but I don't know, David, did you have an opinion on this? Uh, I I just am not a fan of any kind of censorship like this. And if you know videos like this are taken down because facts are misinterpreted, I mean, give me a red marker and I will delete half of YouTube. <laughs> Well, and so here's here's the, the tricky part, is regardless of what you think about the content of the video, I think it's very clear that deleting it made it more popular. Oh, it's the Barbara Streisand and, effect. Yes. Exactly. Um, and it gave it legs to then spread everywhere, and then people were hosting their own versions of this video. And so I think it's a perfect case study for the limits of trying to like censor some of that content online. Mm -hmm. um, I think that should be like a good case study for some of these social media platforms. I mean, they're totally entitled to delete whatever they yeah. want. They're 
private business. I think like some of our friends um, on, on, on the right uh, sometimes get confused and will be like, well, this is a free speech issue. It's like, mm, no, yeah, uh, not legally in any way, because we're talking about a private platform that can do whatever it wants. This isn't the government telling YouTube to take the content down. That would be different. Um, and so it's it's fine for YouTube to do that, but I think it pretty clearly shows that if their goal was to try and limit that content from being um, widespread, yeah. they just fueled the fire right. and made Let's it worse. Let's see. I, I have a clip here. You can hear this, right? I say, do we need to yep. still shelter in place? Our answer is emphatically no. Do we need businesses to be shut down? Emphatically no. Do we need to have, do we need to test them? and get them back to work? Yes, we do. Doctors Dan Erickson and Artin Masihi, both co-owners of the five accelerated urgent care facilities in Kern County, say they have tested 5,213 patients within the county for the coronavirus. That makes up for over half of all testing done here. They say their data and research qualifies their statement. Is the flu less dangerous than COVID? Let's look at the death rates. No, it's not. They're similar in prevalence and in death rate. So we are saying that our response now, now that we know the facts, it's time to get back to work. But why has across the nation? But Erickson says that quarantining is a health hazard in and of itself. We understand microbiology, we understand immunology, and we want strong immune systems. I don't want to hide in my home, develop a weak immune system, and then come out and get diseased. Reporting the disease, Eric Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty more that that we can link to it. I don't know if you mm -hmm. if you had listened to the whole thing before it was taken down, or if you found an alternate source. Um, but man, this caused a lot of consternation. I had um, two people specifically that I was battling out, you know, on Facebook walls as we do, and one of them is actually a CBS reporter, and uh, she she was you know it's it's just an outrage that people are posting this video. They're so wrong. They're so wrong. <laughs> So let's also, it should also be, for our listeners, it should also be prefaced that, like, the YouTube video was owned by the local news. Oh, station. no, yeah, this is the not local... some conspiracy thing. It's like ABC 23 yeah. in Bakersfield. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a normal, like, the reports traffic accidents and, like, it's regular news, a regular news channel. Um, so it's not some nefarious source. Um, trying to see spread seedy disinformation everywhere. Um, so I mean, it's it's interesting in, into like the actual things about what they're talking about. I mean, there are also there's parts that I agree with. There's parts that I disagree with. Um, I think the the big thing that we're starting to see now is the conversation about. So obviously, a lot of people are focusing on okay, well, how many people have gotten this? Um, how off are the numbers? How many people have, have died? Uh, how lethal is it? Uh, but now we're starting to see people talk about, okay, well, how many people have actually passed away because of the restrictions? Um, and that might sound weird for somebody listening because it's like, well, what do you mean? People, you're, you're passing, people are passing away because they're, what, staying in their home? That's ridiculous. Um, but there are... Lots of people who are not seeking medical treatment, um, so much so to the point where an, an example would be in Ontario that the health minister had to come out and say that we now know that um, between 35 and 40 people passed away because they didn't get the heart surgery they were supposed to get because all of those surgeries were postponed. Uh, and now there's growing concern about people who aren't going to get their cancer screenings. And what that's going to look like in six months to a year uh, in terms of possible delayed detection and delayed treatment. And so um, it's one of those uh, seen and unseen problems where we can see the, the devastation caused by, by Carol Baskin virus. We can see people getting sick and read these articles and it's, it's a very real threat. Um, but then we also have the unseen which is all of these negative externalities that are slowly kind of building up in the background. And it's important to keep those in mind when we talk about, well, how long do we keep businesses shut? 
Um, when can people start to do things? Are we going to let people into parks again? Like all of those questions yeah. have to come into play um, because uh, as our good friend Bjorn Lomberg would always say, it, it's it's about um, looking at this in terms of cost-benefit analysis. And so we have to make sure that the... Yeah, exactly. We got to make sure that the that the that the cure uh, is not worse than than the disease. And I'm not saying that we're at that point yet, but we have to keep these things in mind as we evaluate what our responses. Yeah, are. and I think it really just depends on the, your area. Um, if you know you're comparing, and, and the doctors were very specific. And this is what this is what I can't stand about a lot of of media is that because someone reads something, they assume it just applies to them and to their area. The doctors were talking specifically about California, and what they thought California should do, and the gen- just general advice about lockdowns in general. And you know there are some areas that probably still need this, others that don't. Um, you know today in, in Austria is May first. And tomorrow is actually the first day you can go to a barber. Uh, you can go out and pretty much do anything except go to a bar or restaurant. Everything else is going to be open. You are allowed to go outside mm-hmm. finally. And let's just remember the reason that we were supposed to stay indoors was to flatten the curve, right? It was just so that we didn't overwhelm our hospital systems. Most places we haven't done that. Some places, obviously, like New York and different parts of New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, that's obviously not the case. But I, I don't know. I haven't heard of that happening in, in Toronto, David. I, I, haven't, I don't know about Vancouver. Or I haven't heard about it in um, in Austin or certainly not Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. it's as if the we're changing the, the goalpost every now and then, which if it's a small issue like maybe we'll do tax hikes, I think that's very different from you're not allowed to work. So I think there's been a, a very big, big lack of clarity, and that's... Yes. And I think, you know, we're in a position where we're still able to do, you know, what we do day to day, but many people aren't. And what are they supposed to do now? Well, and this is the thing is is it, the, the 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 very restrictive measures were always sold. Okay, well we have to flatten the curve, we have to flatten the curve, we have to flatten the curve. It got it, it almost became cliché to say um because it was it was repeated so often. And then it feels like the justifications for the the restrictions slowly shifted from we need to flatten the curve to we need to prevent as many people as possible from any risk of getting the virus, Um, which is a very important distinction, Um, which is what we have. I mean, we have bylaw officers ticketing families for rollerblading uh, in an empty parking lot. We have... Um, the city of Ottawa telling residents that they can't go to old folks' homes and wave at their loved ones through the window. Uh, like things that just have, there was a, a group of people who were fined for, they, they, they went to the parking lot of their church and listened to the sermon on the radio. Um, so they're all in their own cars. And they're sitting there in their own cars, um, separated from everybody else, uh, listening to this sermon in the church parking lot. And it's like, well, why are we cracking down on all of those things? That that has nothing to do with flattening the curve. Those are just very extreme measures yeah. to try to ensure that people have zero risk, which is just not feasible um, if we want to have any resemblance of a normal life at any point. I love the image, uh, uh, I think it was in Tasmania and Australia, of like these dudes camping in the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere, guys are camping and they have a tent. And then this is like from the Tasmanian police Facebook. I hope this isn't fake news. But like basically they went out there with a helicopter and they're like, we're here to enforce social distancing measures. <laughs> and they have the helicopter that shows up to this remote part of Tasmania, which has no people, by the way, to make sure that these guys are, are practicing social distancing. Yeah, I mean, there are many yeah, areas it, it, it is. The same thing down. happened. Yeah, and the same thing happened in the UK, where <laughs> where they were they sent a drone after a guy who was jogging in an empty national park. Um, it's like, okay, well, I, I understand. What people like, I understand the concern about mass gatherings, um, but I mean, some guys camping in a tent in the desert is not a concert with twenty thousand. It's people. not Burning Man. Uh, no, 
and it, it feels it feels like whoever is making the calls on the rules um, has some serious cognitive dissonance or just just can't equate what appropriate policy is for what um, what the desired outcome yeah. is. I, um, and so it's definitely. I apologize for the tractor in the background. You can tell I'm in the countryside. <laughs> All right, so we've been talking about this and. You know, for us, we're we're in the kind of lobbying and media world, um, so we're here to comment on it and, and try to understand it and explain it and figure out how we can Im- improve consumer choice. But let's go listen yeah. in to someone who um, I don't know if he would be a friend of the show, but uh, maybe at some point. But someone who's been catching a lot of flack lately for his social media presence and some of his tweets. You know who I'm talking about? Our favorite South African. I actually oh, there don't. you go. Elon Musk. I don't know if... Oh, Elon, Elon. Yes. I don't know if you've heard this, but there was a... Uh, basically, Elon Musk has been getting a bit busier on Twitter in criticizing the lockdowns, specifically. And he's been essentially using a lot of the COVID-1984 language, which I love. And he's retweeting a lot of studies or showing that, you know, we kind of have gone too far. There's articles from The Hill, um, why forced isolation is bad... He's referencing all kinds of hospital numbers about the actual data. Uh, just like all kinds of great stuff. And then there was a, an earnings call for Tesla. So he is a businessman. You know, I think he's CEO of, I don't know, four or five companies or something, SpaceX and Tesla. And there's an earnings call mm-hmm. whereby, you know, he's just supposed to talk about the business and their outlook. And he just goes on this awesome rant about lockdowns. Are you ready? For, have you heard this? I have not. All I right, have not. Good. So we're making news here. All right, so this is Elon Musk. Forgive the audio quality. It's like he's probably on like a speakerphone, but yeah, we do what we can here at Consumer Choice Radio. We are a bit worried about not being able to resume production um, in the Bay Area, and, and that should be identified as a serious risk. Um, that, you know, that we, we, we only have two car factories right now, one in Shanghai and one in mm-hmm. the Bay Area, and the Bay Area produces the vast majority of our cars, uh, all of SNX, um, uh, uh, and, and most of the three and all of the Y. So um, the, the, the extension of the shelter-in-place, uh, or frankly I would call it forcibly imprisoning people in their homes uh, against all their constitutional rights, that's that my opinion, and breaking people's freedoms in ways that are horrible and, and, and wrong, uh, and not why people came to America or built this country. What the fuck? Excuse me. Um, people, the outrage, it's outrage. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, but it, it will cause great harm, not just to Tesla, but to many companies. Um, and while Tesla will weather the storm, there are many small companies that will not. And, and, and all people's, everything people have worked for their whole life is going to get, is, is being destroyed in real time. Um, and we're going to have many suppliers, and are, are having many suppliers that are having super hard times, especially the small ones. Um, and it, it's, it's causing a lot of strife to a lot of people. You know, this is a time to think about the future, um, and, and also to, to ask, you know, are, is it right to infringe upon people's rights? As, as what is what is happening right now? Um, I think the I think the people are going to be very angry about this, and are very angry. Um, it's just like somebody should be. If somebody wants to stay in the house, that's that's great. They should be allowed to stay in the house, and they should not be compelled to leave. But to say that they cannot leave their house um, and they will be arrested if they do, this is this is a, this is a, this is fascist. This is not democratic. This is not freedom. Give people back their goddamn freedom. Well. Okay. Let's go to the next question, please. <laughs> I love that part. Okay, uh, we'll go to the next question. <laughs> so Elon, Elon's like, pretty okay. angry. Yeah, yep. Um, I mean, you you can hear the you can hear his kind of philosophical defense of why this shouldn't be okay, and that doesn't mean that like people should be forced to leave their homes. I think that's an important distinction. Um, but he does definitely, you, you can, you can hear the, the frustration in his voice. Yeah. And look, uh, Elon Musk is not writing policy and, uh, 
you know, he's using yeah. his platform to criticize. Um, but, you know, a lot of his points are, are valid in, in certain areas. I don't know where – I think he's in California. I don't know exactly where he lives, Vegas or something. Um, but, man, this is the kind of stuff if uh, – you know, he's going to make it. They're going to be fine. The Tesla cars are going to be fine. There's, there's going to mm-hmm. be plenty. There are plenty of customers. They made enough money. But a lot of other businesses are not going to survive. And small yeah. business, especially, particularly in the hospitality industry, I mean, who knows? Yes. We've talked about flights, but imagine, you know, travel agencies and hotels and Airbnbs and people have bed and breakfast in, in Ireland and, and restaurants. Yeah. You have, yeah. I think, a clip, yeah, it's, uh, it's... David, that you want to point us to. I do, yes, about the, kind of the, the devastation um, that, that this has kind of brought um, it is a uh, across the hospitality that has industry. Been a staple in this Queen and Broadview neighborhood for 13 years. But like so many eateries, it has been hanging on by a very thin margin, according to its owner. And COVID-19 has pushed it over the edge. He says this restaurant will not reopen. I lost everything, so... I lost my house, everything. But I mean, that's not going to be uncommon. It's, it's, uh, it's just going to be uh, probably standard right now, depending depending on how much people are invested in their business. I was probably not one of the smart ones and fully invested, so I had everything in it. Michael Summerfield has been in the restaurant business since he was 24. He says he's had his ups and downs, but in the last few months, he has experienced what he describes as the perfect storm. Five months ago, he was forced to close his second, much larger prohibition location at Young and Eglinton, thanks to ongoing Metrolink's Crosstown construction, which was a huge loss. He thought he could bounce back by focusing on his downtown location and then coronavirus hit. Once COVID hit, like that was it for us, right? I mean, uh, it's just unrecoverable. It's akin to holding up a massive boulder and the boulder keeps getting bigger and the, and the hill keeps getting steeper. So what are you going to do? One way or another, you're going to get crushed. You're going to have to move out of the way. And probably both happened to us. But again, it's 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 not just us. It's going to be everyone. Summerfield says for every month he stays closed, it's costing him about twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars. Like so many, the forty thousand dollar loans that the federal government has offered small businesses is not going to help him dig himself out. And he, of course, is not alone. Oh wow. So is this yeah, a, is mean, this so somewhere in the area of Toronto? Where is this? Yeah, so that's a uh, in in Toronto. Um, what would otherwise be like a very popular um, establishment, um, and you just hear the devastation in his voice, where he's, he's like you said, lost everything, and I mean he's public about it and candid about it. Um, but I can only assume that we're going to see throughout North America a a lot of business owners, not just in the restaurant industry, but in all sorts of other industries who are essentially in that uh, position where they can go f- one month from being successful and turning things around to having it all fall apart in a matter of eight weeks. Um, and I think that's going to be the interesting landscape that consumers see themselves in post-COVID is seeing the devastation or what's it's it's almost like um and this not not to be too hyperbolic but it's it's almost like um going into your your oklahoma storm shelter as the tornado whips through your city and then coming up once the tornado is gone and trying to see what's what's left and i think that um, people will be surprised at what disappears uh, post-COVID as a result, as just as a result of the financial hardship that people are going through. You're listening to Consumer Choice Radio on the Big Talker 106.7 FM every Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, we're recording this on May Day, May 1, and there's a couple of articles that I wanted to get to. Um, I've got how about this? Let's do good news and then bad news. Let's start with good news. Yes. Uh, we don't have yes. too much of that. Good news in the world of sports. Uh, we already have one sport that will be resuming in just less than two weeks. Do you know which sport that is? Mm, I don't. Let's guess. Is it NASCAR? <laughs> NASCAR. So NASCAR. I thought, I thought you said sport. Oh, Hilarious, this guy. <laughs> to the back you go. To the back you go, sir. To the back that you go. By now. 
Um, yeah, so NASCAR is returning May 17th. It'll be at Darlington Raceway in South Carolina. And basically, they're going to be slamming in the races. They're going to be slamming in, I think it's like seven races in 12 days or something like this. It's insane how nice. much they're going to try to do. Um, <laughs> I feel very bad for my brother who's going to have to be on the road every single day for the next two months. Um, but essentially what this means is that finally some sports are going to open back up. However, some of the races are going to have to do complete social distancing. Some of them are not even going to be allowed to have fans. That has not yet been mm-hmm. determined, uh, which is kind of troubling. You know, I know you can make all kinds of NASCAR jokes. There's no fans anyway. But, you know, to have an entire race or to have an entire game or whatever, and there's absolutely no fans in the stands because of uh, Carol Baskin's virus. I mean, come on. I don't know what to yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, the environment will be certainly very different. I can say from as someone who will be watching on my couch, um, just give me – I don't I don't care if it's like the German 8th Division – Soccer, um, if there's any type of live sports, I'm gonna. Yeah, watch you're it. you're all in on that. <laughs> so just, just give me any anything. sport, please. <laughs> um, so yeah, as far as I know, uh, NASCAR is the first one to come back. There might be others. You guys can can tweet at us and let us know if we're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one one bit of good news. Uh, some sports are coming back, and then I got one bit of bad news. This is from Bloomberg. Americans on cusp of meat shortage with food chain breaking down. The food supply chain is breaking, says the chairman of Tyson Foods. Almost a third of U.S. pork capacity is down after the outbreaks. Oh, my goodness. This is bad. Yeah. That's very troubling. That's very troubling. It's a bad, it's a bad uh, time to and, be getting into barbecue and grilling like, <laughs> like I am. Not good. Huh. No, not good at all. Luckily, I don't think we've seen that issue here um, up north. Um, but I think a lot of it just comes down to these packing facilities having to send people home or having outbreaks of their own. And it's not that farmers haven't produced it's just that farmers haven't been able to have their products processed which is what turns them into final products um, for consumers and so you're having kind of the supply chain disintegrate um, in in many ways which is is hugely problem problematic uh, some of the suggestions though have been to eliminate um, whatever prohibitions that exist so that uh, farmers can sell direct to consumers mm-hmm. Um, now, those is a very local issue because different jurisdictions have different rules on like whether or not you can sell to um, directly to consumers. But it's a huge plus in, in areas where that's starting to open up because you have all of these um, you have all of these uh, former wholesalers now offering pretty cool stuff um, direct to consumer. And so they're trying to fill the void. And then there's the whole other equation of why some of this is happening. Um, so one example is it isn't that there that these products don't exist. It's just that it's very hard to retool them into the right form for like household consumers to consume. And uh, one reporter that I follow was using the example of mayonnaise. Um, it isn't that they didn't produce enough mayonnaise. It's just that a lot of mayonnaise is produced for industrial. Uh, not industrial, but like uh, commercial purposes. So in like a two-gallon jug for a restaurant. Well, no no individual consumer is going to buy a two-gallon jug. So how do you repurpose what's already packaged in a two-gallon jug into individual consumer goods um, that are appropriate for households? And in that gap, you have product that sits there and spoils and goes bad. Uh, and that's the same for beef or pork or really anything else. Yeah. Um, that has that issue of scalability. And so we're seeing the supply chain take a pretty big hit in that Well, uh, we have an obvious fan of meat in the White House. Um, So President Trump actually, on Tuesday, put out an executive order, and he declared meat processing plants as critical infrastructure. And essentially this will force them to reopen uh, because them being closed, quote, threatens the continued functioning of the national meat and poultry supply chain so uh trump has weighed in big fan of the meat got to open it back up 
Um, I know a lot of the the unions are, are are not very excited about this, and some places have closed down. I, I know there have been some cases. I think in North Dakota, where essentially no one has uh, the Carol Baskins virus anywhere in the state except one large production facility, and there's like 300 workers that have the virus. Yeah. So I know that it, yeah. it is obviously present in some areas, and some have closed down. But yeah, this is. Um, I think it leads us to think a lot more about everything that we get to our table you know the the black boxing of everything around us when it comes to the products that come to our door do you understand what i mean when yep. i say black boxing by the way it's very i do not you're gonna have to uh you're gonna have to educate. this is a nerdy i only learned this a couple of years ago so black boxing is the idea that essentially we've removed the steps that are needed to produce a product or to come to an idea we've removed it from public consciousness so that it's similar to eye pencil like nobody knows how to make a single pencil that's more about resources this is just about knowledge itself like for example we have like a cut of meat of pork right there's so many steps to that but the average person has no clue what goes into raising the pigs feeding them over time, yeah. butchering, cleaning, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's essentially black boxed. You just think about that for every product in your house. Some things obviously are very complicated and, you know, they're on many assembly lines, but other things, and that's why free trade is so important. You know, there's so many people working on it and putting it together. And now we're seeing it with our food, you know, that we're gonna, a lot of places that might be closed down. So all that pork that you're, you're used to, getting in from North Carolina, which is a huge pork producer, by the way, if, if they're not even able to move their, their meat, um, that that's even across county lines. I mean, this is a big deal. I don't know this. Um, maybe it's another urban rural divide. Maybe it's a question about trade, but I tell you this uh, Carol Baskins thing, man, it, it shakes up, uh, shakes up what we're thinking about and really changing things to the core. I think. Yeah, yeah, and and it's going to be important that when all of this is over, that we don't let the restrictionists win, because you're going to see this this uh, groundswell of people who will incorrectly say, well, well, we we just need to produce more of these things at home, uh, and completely disregard the laws of comparative advantage and supply and demand. Uh, and want to kind of restructure the economy in this nationalist uh, light. The the crisis doesn't demonstrate the weakness of global supply chains. It demonstrates the increased importance of global supply chains and having uh, access to as many sources of one particular input as possible and not limiting yourself uh, to what is produced in your own country, and so um, that's something that I'm I'm see I, I see as a troubling development in light of all of these shortages and issues. Is is people will want to revert and become inward looking, and I think that that's I mean that only makes people poorer in the in the long run. And you know you spoke about things that are changing or that we're going to have to examine. There's an article here from the New York Times hashtag. It's cool that they put a hashtag in their headlines. Hashtag cancel rent is new rallying cry for tenants. Landlords are alarmed. From New York to Los Angeles, tenant groups are encouraging millions of renters to withhold May rent, which landlords warn would be devastating. I'll just read the first paragraph. As unemployment soars across yeah. the country, tenants, rights groups, and community nonprofits have rallied around an audacious goal to persuade the government to persuade the government, mind you, to halt rent and mortgage payments without back payments accruing for as long as the economy is battered by the Carol Baskins virus. Hashtag cancel rent. Huh. Yeah. Um, well, David, I mean, we're, bo we're both renters, one. right? And you would think, hey, this is obviously in our, you know, to our benefit, but what would be any blowback of this? Well, I mean, it really, it really depends. If, if, like so if if I knew that my landlord was getting a pause on his mortgage payment for the month, then I think it would be okay to request hey pass that um, pass that assistance down the line uh, okay that's and, interesting and and pause rent for me um, that being said, and this is very tough to say um, but it's oh, true. no. 
your 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 landlord is not supposed to be the social safety net the government is um, huh. and and the obligation uh, for ensuring that people fall through the cracks is not your landlords it's the government's um, and so uh, it's it's important that we have that distinction I mean the same thing is can be said for businesses a lot of people will say well why don't you just pay people their full salaries even though you're not operating it's like well i mean there are issues of of feasibility in terms of there being a business once things reopen i mean if you go bankrupt you won't have a job to go back to um but then there is that question of responsibility it's the 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 social safety net is something that is supposed to be provided and guaranteed by government not by um by business in that sense and so you have this tension and the cancel rent uh, movement is is a good highlight of it where people are maybe deferring some of their expectations from government to landlords which i think is going to cause some problems um, and then again it really just depends i mean are landlords getting assistance that is appropriate um, are the banks giving them assistance where they can, like, let's say, defer a month of their mortgage. Um, I listen don't know. To, listen to this paragraph case. real quick. To cancel rent and mortgage payments, the federal government would have to take sweeping and possibly unconstitutional intervention into the housing and financial markets, interceding in private contracts, and ordering banks and landlords not to collect money. <sighs> hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's also... I mean, the... The other high, the other highlight here is, um, whenever you advocate for something, so for our friends on the left, um, whenever they advocate that the federal government should do something, the sentence should always start with "Donald Trump should." <laughs> yeah. And then if that sentence sounds ridiculous, take us take a second and step back, and then for our friends on the right, it should always start with with. President Bernie Sanders or Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, or Nancy Pelosi, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And if that makes you uncomfortable, well, then you have to ask yourself why, Uh, because the 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 highlight there is that anything you any power, any increased government power. I mean, this is what the Obama uh, cheerleaders are finding out firsthand with the Trump administration, is every power that you enable the president or the federal government to do. Something that can be used by the people you lose an election yeah. to, um, and the more you embolden the federal government, the more bad things your opponents can do, and so um, that's a that that goes outside of the conversation of whether or not it's appropriate um, to do that to to pause rent in this um, cancel in in this circumstance, but um, it is important to have that discussion because. You got to remember that anything that you expand will be used um, down the road by people you didn't vote for, uh, by governments you don't like, and so um, always important to keep that in mind. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's there's so much more that you know we'll be able to read into this, and who knows where it's going to go. And even in the article, there's one very good point um, that's made by um, I think he's what is he? Jay Martin, executive director of the Community Housing Improvement Program. He basically says, look, if uh, the tenants' rights organizers, they want to target a main driver of the high housing costs, they should encourage elected officials to cut property taxes. Now we're talking. (laughs) Actually, yeah. Um, I mean, that would be... So I I have some knowledge about how that system works. uh, And there are some jurisdictions that actually have legal requirements that say... If we reduce your property taxes on rental properties, you have to pass that down um, in terms of decreased rent. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, So that would be a much softer solution where the government could say, okay, well, whatever your taxes are, uh, here's back whatever you've already paid. Or if you owe, you don't owe, and you have to chop off X amount of dollars from monthly rent to make it more affordable for folks in this crisis that would be i think in my opinion a much more uh, appropriate solution and one that doesn't have the long-lasting negative effects that canceling 
rent for an entire month for everyone. Yeah. Uh, would. Well, you're listening to Consumer Choice Radio on the Big Talker, 106.7 FM. In the morning, our website is consumerchoiceradio.com. Subscribe to the podcast there. If you're listening on the radio, and if you already are listening on your device, hello. How are you doing? David, I want to highlight your recent appearance on a podcast uh, up there in Canada. I actually, yes. um, I don't know if you'd be surprised by this, but I listened to the entire conversation. It was about an hour, over an hour, I think. Yep. Yeah, just over so, an hour. So uh, tell us a little bit about this, what the topic was, who you're speaking to, and um, you know how it felt be, being on another program. Yeah, it was great. So I was, uh, I was the featured guest on the podcast called the Curious Task, um, which is a full-length show uh, where they interview guests. Uh, it's done on behalf of the Institute for Liberal Studies, which is in Ottawa. Uh, and we talked about whether cannabis legalization was working in Canada. Um, so all of the nuances and ins and outs of what's good and what's been bad and what tax policy has worked and what hasn't. Um, so a great interview. It was, like you said, just over an hour. It, I think it easily could have been three I hours. I do like how it was, he, he mentioned marijuana legalization. I, I thought it was an interesting title. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so a great interview. I encourage anyone who wants to listen to that to head on over to uh, The Curious Task uh, and check that out. Yeah, that's great. And um, you know, I'm I'm obviously a guest on the Joe Catanacci show every Friday. Yep. Um, on this station, the Big Talker. Um, so I'm about to go on the the program here soon, talking with Joe, catching up. I think for Joe, it's more interesting that he's able to talk to someone who's um, a bit outside. I mean, where he is, he's in Wilmington, right beside the beach. So you can imagine a lockdown yes. order when you're living in a beach town is a it's a bit stricter than, <laughs> than other places. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it hits you a little harder because you have <laughs> you have that beautiful ocean calling your name. Yeah, and and maybe we will have the police coming after you um, if you're out on the beach by yourself running and jogging. Uh, maybe we won't. Who knows? Yes. But that's the kind of stuff. Yeah, that we're there's doing. a great. Yeah, my favorite video. I think it is in Florida. Um, is of a cop trying to like. There's a jogger on the beach, and the cop tries to cut him off. And the guy, you just see him turn the jets on and start sprinting and just leave the cop in his in his dust, and it just keeps going. Um, like there's no way you're gonna catch me on foot, buddy. That is the best. <laughs> and then eventually, eventually gets away. Yeah, I, that guy deserves a medal. <laughs> uh, one other thing, uh, David, as we're coming to a close here on the program, um, I don't know if you saw this, and I don't know if it's fake news or not. Um, maybe I need your help with fact-checking. So we're talking about good old Uncle Joe. Yes. So there was a, I guess it's like a telethon or something like this, and he's talking with Hillary Clinton, a former Democratic presidential candidate, and it appears he's falling asleep, and he's got his eyes closed a good 20 seconds. Now, is this like a deep fake? Is Have you seen this video? It, I I haven't seen it. No, you it, haven't? Or I have, sorry, I've seen it, but I have no idea if it's authentic or not. It's actually getting really hard to differentiate like what's real and what's not um, in terms of these videos. Like, There's another one where it's Hillary and Joe, and they're just sitting there in silence for like 20 <laughs> seconds. Like They don't know how to like hold a conversation with each other. Um <laughs> Yeah, actually, I'm looking at the video now. Um, let's see if there's sound, actually, because it's, you know, it's, it's just Hillary Clinton talking. Care workers in America and then Joe puts his eyes down, and, one and they're still down. They're down. His mouth is moving a bit. In our country He's nodding. Classified as essential. And so his eyes are still closed. That affects all of us, uh, young, oh, my God, it's been 20, it's it's been 20 seconds. Oh, and he just opened up. Okay, it took 20, <laughs> 25 seconds. He had his eyes closed. Yeah, and it's it's like is he forgetting that he's on video? And I or? don't. This is why I'm concerned. It would be a deep fake. I'm not sure, but I have seen also another video where a guy is filming it on TV using his phone, and that's usually very very hard to do. Mm -hmm. So, either yes. it's a very good deep yes. fake, because I mean, what is Trump's nickname for Joe Biden? Sleepy, Sleepy Joe. Joe. <laughs> this, this would be just. It'd be, 
<laughs> There'd be total confirmation bias right there. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, how do you know he wouldn't be falling asleep at the table, you know, in his third briefing about the Carol Baskins virus? So, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, oh, as, since we're on the tail end of that and we're talking politics, um, you know, in our last five minutes yeah. or so, uh, there's a new entrant into the uh, political race, um, perhaps a future friend of the show. Um, David, you uh, yes. you follow this very closely. Tell us a little bit about it. Yes. Independent and now libertarian Congressman Justin Amash has announced an exploratory committee uh, to pursue possibly running uh, as a libertarian for president. And for those who followed Congressman Amash, he is a particularly interesting person um, because he is very much a wild card in the positive sense uh, in Congress. He will work with Democrats on various issues. He will be critical of Democrats. He'll work with Republicans. He'll be critical of his own party. He was the only Republican congressman to call for impeachment. Um, So to have him possibly as the official third party um, on the ballot in 50 states is extremely exciting um, for someone or for anyone, uh, myself included, who isn't particularly jazzed up uh, by, by Biden versus Trump um, for, for 2020's election. So we actually do have a short clip that we'll play. Uh, if we can get Jamie to play that clip, uh, we'll play that. And, uh, that's, uh, Congressman Amash's, uh, announcement. With just over six months until election day, voters could have a third-party choice on the ballot. Independent Michigan Congressman Justin Amash left the Republican Party last year. That was after he alleged President Trump had committed impeachable offenses. He's launched a 2020 exploratory committee and wants the backing of the Libertarian Party. I'm joined now by Congressman Amash. Congressman, thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning. A lot of people waking up this morning and asking the question... My pleasure. Asking the question, why now? Why at this late stage uh, of the game, in the middle of a national and global health crisis, are you qualified to run for president? What people want is someone who's practical, who's honest, who will represent every American. And right now what we have in Washington is two parties that are always fighting each other, that aren't representing the American people. We saw that with the most recent... Uh, relief packages where most of the aid was directed to helping those at the top and very little got through to the people who need it most. And people are tired of this. They want someone who's going to be practical, who will bring real honest ideas to the table. Yeah. And so there you have Congressman Amash um, making his initial pitch, uh, talking about relief packages, talking about how relief should have gone to individuals as opposed to businesses. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if his campaign can build steam um, going into an election. I mean, we are very much so almost recycling the previous election where we have two very unpopular candidates um, yeah. against each other. And so there could be an avenue for him to, to make some some headway. And what's hilarious is that both sides are equally outraged. Big name Republicans are saying, no, this is outrageous. This will only mean that Joe Biden wins because Amash will pull votes from from uh, from uh, from Trump. And then on the flip side, you have big, big name Democrats saying the same thing. They're like, oh, this is devastating. It means that Trump's going to win because Congressman Amash is going to pull votes from Biden. And it's like, OK, well, if he's going to pull votes from both parties, He's obviously doing something right, um, and it obviously means that your candidates suck. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the point number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. Yeah, well, we welcome him into the race. Um, you know, if uh, we are available for giving advice on better sound quality, and um, <laughs> yes. I, I hope that wasn't the first uh, interview that he did on that. No, I don't think I mean, it he, was. I think it's, it's okay. Just, good. He's stuck in. I think he's in, <laughs> stuck at home. Um, yeah, stuck at home using a satellite connection or something. <laughs> like very off. Okay, cool. But he well, didn't David, fall asleep um, though. He didn't fall asleep for twenty seconds, so we'll give him that. Yeah, and he's a young guy. I think he's he's only forty something. So yeah. uh, you know, young guy who's in shape and he's got some guns. Um, of both types yeah that's someone to look at well cool well uh, we'll see if we can get him on the program at some point 
Uh, David, time to wrap up. Uh, it's a pleasure to catch up with you. You guys have been listening to Consumer Choice Radio on the Big Talker, 106.7 FM. Check out ConsumerChoiceRadio.com for our podcast and feed, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Yep, we'll, we'll chat next week. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we hope you all stay safe out there. <laughs>